You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Over 7 million different animals inhabit our planet. But the brain power of the manta ray mm-hmm. blows most fish out of the water. Because a manta ray is a fish, yeah. so okay. we will we'll come. What can they teach us? So they socialize while they're feeding. <laughs> so it's like us at dinner, right? That's the big thing I about being it. human is it's a time for us to socialize. Yeah. Many species are in crisis and need your help. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. Welcome to the All Creatures Podcast. This is Chris. And I'm Angie. How's your holiday, Angie? Going well with the blueberries? Oh, blueberries are great. The Michigan weather is amazing. Uh, I did bring a little bit of the heat from Florida with me, so the first couple of days it was everybody around me was sweating, but I was like, oh, I, I need a sweatshirt. And I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, it, it's mellowed out, and we uh, got to spend a lot of time on the shores of Lake Michigan. Oh, My nice. boys are really into climbing sand dunes and coll- I like to collect rocks while they're climbing the sand mm-hmm. dunes. And so, mm-hmm. and then in the afternoon, we you know, have a nice little blueberry snack right out in the front yard. So yeah, my, hey, compl- so my complaints are pretty minimal. Oh, go ahead. Yes. For listeners, when do you pick blueberries? And well, it's in diff- every state, it's a little bit different depending on the season, but in North America, it's the summertime. So right. in Florida, it starts back in May around Mother's Day. I was able to pick blueberries okay. in Mother's Day in Florida. Mm-hmm. But the Michigan mm-hmm. season, Michigan blueberries, which are by far, hands down, the best blueberries <laughs> the best. in the world. <laughs> yes. and they have yes. a nice, the best, they're the biggest, the firmest, and they have the, uh, the, uh, the best flavor, the most sugar content. Because blueberries like to get cold over the wintertime. That helps the mm-hmm. sugars do what they need to do in the plant to make the fruit mm-hmm. taste better. So they prefer our cold winters and yeah, so they're amazing. And it starts about July 4th or around our independence day. This season, it was a little early because we had that gnarly heat. So they started picking everything like June 30th. Um, But yeah, and then it'll last until basically Labor Day. Okay. So there you go. For, uh, for people not, for not, for people not in the States, that's the end of August. Okay. So buy all your blueberries. Eight weeks of blueberry mania. Yeah. So buy all your blueberries now, right? Yeah. 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 Support Angie. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And they, you can buy a whole bunch of them and then you, I just put them in the freezer. So then you have them all year round. Yeah. 
And it's much cheaper than buy because now, of course, in your local grocery, you can buy frozen blueberries, but yes, they're yes. usually more expensive or not quite as high of quality as yeah. the ones you can get in the summertime. So yeah, and they're yeah, not from Michigan. They're, so they're one of no the good. world's yeah. healthiest, the healthiest foods. But that's why, I mean, Chris, I just yeah. had a birthday. So yes. why, that's one of the reasons why I love to come to Michigan. And yes. I've been eating blueberries my whole life. And I mean, how old do I look? Right. You, yeah. How you old? look like you're 10. And yeah, you got Thank that blue you. tinge of skin, man. you know, and <laughs> <laughs> wasn't it, it was Willy Wonka, right? I, the, the blueberry girl. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, she yeah. blew, she ate too many blueberries and blew up like one, which I mean, I do that as well, but no, the blueberries yeah. are good for your skin. And yeah, I, I, I definitely don't look the age that I just turned and I definitely no, you don't do. I mean, you do, the yeah. age that I just turned. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Angie was and this podcast is keeping me young something. as well. <laughs> it's keeping me on my toes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, you know, let's get started on today's episode. But you, you know, with education, blueberries, that's good. Something different. Just want to up front mm-hmm. thank uh, two of our newest Patreon supporters, Debbie and Maureen. Thank you. You know, it means a lot to us to get the support. Debbie, yeah. Maureen, we love you. Yes, yes. And so AJ and I have been working on some, we're going to be working on some Patreon only content coming soon. So we'll have details in the next few weeks once that's all ready to go. Just getting our schedules. You know, I'm traveling next week. She's traveling. And once we get back from all this, then we will start hammering that out. But, you know, Angie and I each week talk about the podcast and what we're doing. We love what we're doing. We believe in this project and we're just going to keep doing this. You know, we're, we're dedicated to it. So yeah, well, a lot of listeners that send us feedback, we really appreciate the messages. Yes. Uh, it's always fun to learn from you guys, mm-hmm. learn what species we should do, what content you're liking or wanting more of. And it yeah. does, it gives me an amazing reason to get up in the morning and do this. Or as Chris was joking, how I am on quote unquote vacation and uh, doing the podcast, but this yeah. is extremely fun and makes me, uh, it's very fulfilling. And yeah. today we're going to be talking about manta rays. Yes. Yes. So yes. For, for me, I told Chris, I was like, well, I'm not going to prepare anything. I'm just going to yeah. talk about when I got to <laughs> snorkel with them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, where were you? Where were you when you got to do that? So I was in Hawaii, the, the okay. big island of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those mm-hmm. of you that aren't as familiar with the different islands, it's uh, the big island is uh not as touristy it's the no, biggest no. island but it's also a lot yeah. it's 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 more remote and mm-hmm. my best friend lives out there uh nani so i john and i flew out there um after we had been married for about a year mm-hmm. to kind of celebrate and and they hosted us graciously for a few days and then uh my parents helped uh get us a hotel right on right on the uh, western edge of the island mm-hmm. is uh, there's a city called Kona K O N A and we 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 were there in March so from our hotel room we could actually watch uh the whales I believe it's Oh yeah yeah the humpback whales humpbacks yep mm-hmm. they we yep. would just be sit, sipping our coffee in our like nice hotel robes because uh, uh, like I said, we didn't pay for the hotel room. So we were like, totally, yeah, living, yeah. we were totally living it up. It's like honeymoon, <laughs> yeah. honeymoon, honeymoon 2.0, but sipping our coffee, watching the whales breach. It was mm. life changing. I, I don't know if I'll ever be yeah. able to get back there again. Now that I have all these kids and it's so expensive. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> but yeah, so, um, in Hawaii, there's, um, off the Kona coast of the big Island of Hawaii. It's like the only place in the world where you can experience diving and or snorkeling with manta rays with a really high probability of seeing them. 
So mm-hmm. they basically over years, they've trained the, I don't know if trains the right word, but they've conditioned, that's a better word. They've conditioned the manta rays mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that when there's a light beam that goes up when it's dark out, that attracts a lot of the zooplankton and therefore the manta rays mm-hmm. go there and feed every night. And they have two mm-hmm. spots. Uh, there's called, there's the manta village, which is where I saw it. And it's off, it's near the Sheraton. Mm-hmm. So right off the coast, um, pretty mm-hmm. deep water. But yeah, it was super cool. We, John and I just did the snorkeling adventure. We didn't do the diving because I, both of our dive certifications had run out and we were, we were kind of mm-hmm. in a hurry or didn't have the time to renew them while we were there. So we did the snorkeling experience. Right, right. So we were looking above the water where the divers, when they do it, are down below. But mm-hmm. because of the way the man, manta rays right. feed, it's basically like this amazing, Black and white, giant ghost floating, slowly flapping through the ocean and then spinning upward to eat the, eat the plankton. Uh, it was awesome. And so, yeah, those life moments. I mean, it definitely, definitely was life changing and gave me just a, a greater appreciation for the ocean and the creatures that inhabit it. And of course, and it, yeah. when we were as, as a guest doing this experience, it, it, we had to go through a lot of um, rules and regulations. They made us watch a video, safety training. You know, you can't touch the animals. Um, mm. You can't, if you're snorkeling, you can't dive down. If you're diving, you can't yeah. go up. Yeah. So there was yeah. a lot of, yeah, they, I, I felt like they really did a good job of not exploiting the animals and uh, giving I obviously was already. So like a good ecotourism, right? Definitely great ecotourism. And I was already a wildlife and or ocean lover, but I think for people that probably Mm -hmm. maybe aren't as big of animal dork as I am. Yeah. They probably once, once they do this experience, they, I'm sure they fall in love with the animals and they they talked a lot about, they did a lot with education and conservation uh, on the trip. And so, yeah. And then the, oh yeah, the other one near. Uh, where we went, we went to Man, I think we went to Manta Village, but the other one's called Manta Heaven, just not that oh, far wow. away, a few miles away, um, and from yeah. and that dive site. And one, one night their record is like 46 manta rays. Holy smokes. Yeah. So I didn't oh, see that. Oh, that would I be amazing. Yeah. yeah. I think our night there was probably eight or nine, you know, but, but they're yeah. so big and you just, yeah. just, you just watch them and you're just in awe about, the beautiful world, the creatures that inhabit it. And they're so graceful. Yeah. Yeah. These ones are really cool. And it just made me think too, shout out to Ashley in South Africa. She messaged us. And so Ashley requested that we do leatherback sea turtles and made me think about when I was in Maui, I actually saw, uh, the, the sea turtles. So when I snorkeled, I got to swim with at least turtles, not as cool. I mean, turtles are awesome, but manta rays. Oh my God. That is amazing. Oh yeah. It was uh, I mean, once we, cause we just went to the big island because my best friend's there and I, I've been to the other islands or a lot of the other islands previously. John had never been to Hawaii and he was kind of like, I'm like, well, this is where we're going. So we're going to see my, uh, you know, yeah. we're going to see my best friend. <laughs> this is what we're doing. And so we didn't, we didn't do any research cause I'm like, she lives there. She'll tell us where to eat, what tour what yeah. tourist things to do mm-hmm. what not to do and the very first thing she said she's like oh you have to do this you have you have to see the manor oh yeah she's like that yeah. is so it's so unique uh she's like you know honestly you, you yes. can go whale watching off of many coasts 
Uh, and, and it's just, and then we realized mm-hmm. we could just watch them from our hotel room. So that saved us, that saved us yeah. money. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. so that was yeah. kind of, uh, that and the lava. We went, we went and made like John's favorite yeah. thing in the whole world. Probably maybe, even though he's an animal mm-hmm. guy, I think it was probably, he probably liked it better than swimming with the manta rays or snorkeling with them was we went, the lava was flowing yeah. and a- actively flowing when we were there, which it is currently actively flowing. Yeah. Uh, however, yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah worse this time when we were there it was just like moderate or very mild so we could we actually Little hiked bit. right yeah. up into yeah. the lava and made, and with made earth so john thought he was pretty cool yeah. making yeah. earth which i i mean i think it's cool too but he just <laughs> john's uh, john's a lucky guy i'm telling you you made him go to africa you know, know you made him go to hawaii where's next stick for with me John kid that's what i tell him stick show. with me i get a lot of my I, I get a lot of my adventure gene from my <laughs> from my late father he was uh he always took us on some yeah. pretty wacky and wonky adventures and uh that's you know that's the spice of life that makes it yeah. all happen so yeah exactly exactly well yeah. you know, you were talking about the amazing creatures in the ocean so i was like all right we're going back to the ocean again we keep covering like every other one's an ocean creature. Because well, just so to give awesome. our audience a little, a little <laughs> insight to, uh, Chris and I and our, our, our daily dialogue, but Chris thinks we're doing too yeah. many ocean animals. And I'm like, no way. Jose. No, I, <laughs> no, I mean the ocean, I mean, so I just, it, I love them. Like it's amazing. Each one we've covered has been amazing. There's, you know, and there's so many species on earth, but I just was curious. I'm like, okay, we keep going back to the ocean because they are charismatic. You know, we talk about that. They, we want to look at them. We want to learn about them. And so I went and looked up some statistics and this was from Noah. And this was interesting, Angie. 91% of oceanic species have yet to be classified. 91%. Wow. We don't know anything about our oceans. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Well, and it is true. 91%. Like just diving into their physiology and the reproduction and of course yeah. their behavior. My goodness. Yeah. There's a lot less yeah. data out there. And I, it always leaves me being yeah. like, man, I want to go work for one of these groups and learn more about X, Y, and Z because mm-hmm. yeah, we, we, yeah, there's clearly a lot to learn. So maybe the, maybe it's the mist or attracted the mystery of it or off. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just. Yeah, and ninety five percent of the ocean is yet to be explored. Wow, this is all according to Noah, you know, as the United States. So, you know, dig a little bit deeper on this. They did do a ten year oceanic survey, and I'm going to put the link in the show notes. I I made a big mark on my my slide here to to remind me to do that. That there's an estimate two to ten million species in the ocean. They don't know quite how many, but they've discovered over two hundred thirty thousand. Okay, so to date. Mm They know of 230,000 species in the ocean, but still that's minuscule. Sure. What they think is out there. What's, what's out there. Wow. That's exciting. 10% or two to 10%. Wow. Now I will say there's more species out in land, Angie. There's a lot more species on land. 80% of all species live on land, according to the estimates. Does that include insects? But you're talking plants. Does that plants and insects? Okay. Yeah. Plants, insects, everything. So, yeah, there's a lot more species to cover, uh, 15% of total species in the ocean, 5% in freshwater. So, but, you know, manta rays are amazing and, and the ocean animals are great. Like they're just phenomenal. And there's been a lot of focus on oceans of late. So that's really good. Oh, absolutely. We've got to save them. 
Well, and you're going to want to stay tuned with us today because we're going to cover a lot of fun things about manta rays. We haven't even touched on their size yet, so that's pretty mm-hmm. exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the brain power of the manta ray mm-hmm. blows most fish out of the water. Because a manta ray is a fish, yeah. so okay. we will we'll cover that in a little more detail. Yes. Of course, uh, it's related to sharks, skates, yeah. rays. Uh, but yes, so stay mm-hmm. tuned to learn just how smart they are, or how smart we think they are, and yeah. you will be shocked. I know I was. Okay, 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 okay. I want to learn. Yes. I didn't. I didn't delve into that, so that will be exciting. Now, you did just said how big they are, and we did do the whale shark a few pods ago, which was, again, another amazing ocean-going animal. Not quite as big as the whale shark. Whale shark's still the biggest fish in the mm-hmm. sea. The man, So the whale shark was 46 feet or 14 meters, roughly. Giant manta rays are 29 feet across or 9 meters I didn't know this until we covered them in a news segment a few weeks ago. Like, I didn't realize they got that Yeah, that's big. huge. Like, that three stories tall? That's insane. That's insane. I didn't realize they were that big. Yeah, I mean, and this is the wingspan, right, that you're talking about with, with yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, it was, I yeah. don't know if I saw quite that large where in, in Kona where I was, but, I mean, definitely five to yeah. seven meters easily. Huge. Huge, huge. Yeah. That's yeah. huge. That's huge. Now, of course, these are the world's largest ray, mm-hmm. you know, with, with that being said. And just to get in kind of the description. So they have these diamond shaped bodies with, with wings or, but they're really properly called the pectoral mm-hmm. fins, right? So they're really wide. They're what now this was cool too. I didn't really realize this with rays. The, the gill slits are underneath or ventral. They're on the bottom. They're on the bottom. Right? Mm-hmm. That's why they kind of look. Yeah. Not- when you look underneath from the bottom side up at them, like if you are a diver, they look so cute because it's their gill slits. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's really weird. So I just didn't even think of that, their physiology. It never hit me that they're underneath them. Now their eyes are to the side, kind of like the whale shark, right? Mm-hmm. So they their face kind of looks similar. But then, and this will be cool too when we get to nutrition, is they have the cephalic lobes, mm-hmm. so around the mouth, and that's really a unique feature. I think they're the only vertebrate to have these, these these extra appendages around the mouth, which is important to to help propel water into their Correct. mouths. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, 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 it's really cool. And by these cephalic lobes, if you're not familiar with the manta ray, definitely look at our show notes or Google it. But they're almost like arms coming out of the sides of their mouth or fins coming out of the sides of their mouth that uh like chris said they act as almost a funnel they help they help get the get their food into their mouth but it's it's just a real it's a really unique adaptation that the other a lot of the other Mm -hmm. raisin skates don't have yeah it was it was really crazy now the ones you saw you said they were black and white so they They were uh, mm -hmm, yes and so uh I was on top of the water snorkeling, mm-hmm. looking down. So I probably got a little bit of the short end or short end of the stick. If I had to do it all right. over again, I would spend the extra time, the extra couple hundred dollars mm-hmm. to redo my dive certification so I could see all the action. Because yes, mm-hmm. on looking down at the top at their top side, they're yeah, black or, or gray in mm-hmm. color. Mm-hmm. And 
but I could see them on their underside sometimes when they would do spins or rolls, if you will, mm-hmm. um, or when they're, I could see a wing flap come up and the underside right. is in a, a lighter, light gray, whitish in color. Right. Did you see any spots? Cause they all have individual spots on their bellies. Chris, I, I did not. Um, it, no, okay. it is, the yeah, water so. is, it is dark out. So when we, when you do this, um, they're, you know, it's, it's pitch black out and they are able to light. Like they have a couple lights down at the ocean floor, probably about 30 feet, right. 30, 30 foot maybe. Yeah. Uh, and they shoot the light up, but it's still not the same as if, if you've ever snorkeled or dove, which I've had the pleasure to do both of during yeah. the daytime, you have a lot, a greater visibility. So, right. But right. the reason Chris brings up these cute little spots on their belly is that, yeah, they, it's like, it's almost like a fingerprint and it's, uh, these little black spots, researchers use it as a way to identify and tell different manta rays apart when they're doing research studies. On yeah. It. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy. Now there are, there are these giant rays too, that can be black, totally black. So okay. a few of them are, but I think that, you know, like we talked about almost in every, if you think about every ocean going fish, not everyone, I guess, but a lot of them, you know, like just think of a penguin black on top, white on the bottom. Again, that's, an anti-predator, you know, like Angie said, looking down at them, it's Can't harder see to see. Yeah. yeah. And then when looking up at them with the light, it's harder to see them. So some of these darker ones, because we will get into how deep they go too. So. And most people, when you say a ray or a skate, think about mm-hmm. the, the tail that has the barb that right. as for stingrays, right. That can, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. that can be used as um, a, meth- a method to protect themselves. And so the manta ray, it does have a short whip like tail, but unlike many rays, other ray species, it doesn't have any sharp barbs right. on it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a little bit different between the manta ray and the stingrays and the other species. Now, Correct. Now there are two species of manta ray, the giant manta rays, and then the reef manta rays. Now, the giant manta rays are bigger. Mm-hmm. The reef manta rays get about 18 feet, five and a half meters, and not quite as big. Mm-hmm. The scientific name of the giant manta ray is Manta barostris. And then the reef, Very good. that's easy. This one's easy. Uh, the reef manta alfredi. <laughs> I was like, maybe I'll. <laughs> I know. I was like, maybe I'll, I'll tell Chris I'll do it this week, but I'm like, <laughs> yeah. no, I'm on vacation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, the Make reef is is Manta Alfredi. I mean, come on, <laughs> it's so easy, yeah. it's super easy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there are two species, and Angie and I talked. We're going to kind of refer to both of them throughout the pod. You know, they're they're similar physiology, just a little bit. The reef's just smaller. That's it, and not, and that's still huge. I mean, eighteen feet is enormous. Yes, yes, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Now the the habitat or where they are, Angie. So you're Hawaii, right? So the, the giants are oceanic migratory is how they classify mm-hmm. them. Yep. And so I was interested, okay, how far do they migrate? Do they go from the Indian ocean to all the way across, you know, to this, cause they do can get down to South Africa. Do they go up into the Atlantic and they don't, they actually don't migrate that far. I mean, they go far. So for example, some of the tracking studies they've done, they've gone from like the Yucatan peninsula out into the Gulf of Mexico. Okay. And gone around there or like across the world from Mozambique to South Africa. So, yeah, I mean, still it's what hundreds of kilometers. It's still pretty far, but it's not like across all the world or all the oceans. And they definitely tend to prefer the tropical, warm, temperate coastal regions yeah. of the oceans. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, they did. They did find them as I think uh, as far north as New Jersey. You know, in Japan. Okay. Wow. So looking across, mm-hmm. but typically, I don't know. And you know, I know some of the studies I, I read about global warming and and the oceans, and I know migratory patterns of fish. Like I know off the Oregon coast in Cal or in California, on the western United States, they're finding some tropical fish up there now hmm. that have never been there or seen there before. Right. Ugh. So it's not no. a good thing. But no. yeah, yeah. Now this is exciting. The, cause I have the migratory map on here. They have seen them near New Zealand. Ah, well, stay, <laughs> the North Island. Stay tuned for one of my <laughs> conservation groups. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. That's okay. All, I'm gonna say. all right. All right. All right. So they, they, yeah, maybe I can go up to Northland, go to the very tippy top of no, New dude, Zealand. Maybe, but do scratch warm, that. Let's meet in Hawaii. Uh, we'll stay at my friend's place yeah, no. and, uh, we'll bring the kids cause we can just, Throw them outside yes. in, the, in her backyard in a tent because for those of listeners that aren't familiar oh, with Hawaii, yeah. uh, Hawaii is so amazing that they don't in their homes, the people that live there, they don't have heat yeah. or air conditioning. Yeah, like in the houses, yeah, it's they don't have water. any of that because yeah. they don't need any of it. Yeah, that's how perfect it is there. Yeah, I know yeah, you. Yeah. You're from San Diego, and San Diego is pretty it perfect is. too. But I know y'all had yeah. air conditioning there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Hawaii. You don't need it. No, heat. Yeah, and heat. Yeah. So, yep. That, I mean, you, yeah. Hawaii is awesome. Hopefully you'll find a place, but if you don't, you're, you're, you're kind of close to Hawaii. So it's, yeah, no, that's a good place to meet Mm -hmm. in the middle. Yeah. 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 No, it'd be good. I'd definitely, I'd love Hawaii. I absolutely love it. Now, the manta rays, the, the water temperature. So I thought this was interesting because you said temperate. So it can be as cold, quote unquote, 19 C, which is only 66 <laughs> right. degrees Fahrenheit. So that's not. No, that's like that what I was cold, swimming in right? Lake Michigan yesterday. Um, but they, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is it that cold? I, I mean, oh uh, yeah. The water here is no, so I don't know if cold. It was, oh, it might have been the uh, 68 maybe. I don't know. It was, it was. Yeah. yeah, but all my all all my family from Michigan, it's not Florida. Males are like diving water. in, and I I'm such a, I'm like a little sissy whip. I'm like uh uh-uh. uh, no. Nope. Yeah, polar bear club. Yeah, yeah. totally, totally. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and then up to thirty C, thirty degrees Celsius or eighty six degrees. Now Fahrenheit. we're so talking. Like, That's like, my kind yeah. of water. <laughs> <laughs> That's off Tampa. You know, yeah. The the Gulf water is is bath water. Yeah. So they 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 do go. uh you know, all kind of both ranges. Now, I think a good question that we need to talk about, Angie, is why care about manta rays? And I just up front, I will just say there's been a, they're, they're both species are vulnerable. They're global reduction of 30%. So they, they are in trouble. Yes. And I think there's a reason we should care, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in the past, the giant, uh, the giant one was commercially hunted from small boats, but Currently, it's it's rarely hunted. There's definitely been some protection measures put into place, which we'll discuss a little bit more in the conservation section. And for me, this section of why should we care about manta rays is very easy for me because I actually got to, to snorkel with them and spend time with them mm-hmm. watching their behaviors, watching their majestic wings through the water, uh, watching them move, how they're gentle giants. Um so, but not everybody's going to be, have that luxury. So one thing I can suggest as well is I'll have Chris put her on the show notes, maybe some videos of them moving through the water. If you're not as familiar with them yeah. and, 
or if you're not just in general, if you, if you used to just write off the stingray family or ray family in general, because they potentially could be dangerous. Uh, don't do that. Uh, give, give, give them a, just give them a chance and you'll probably fall in love the way that I did. Even if you don't get the opportunity to snorkel or, or dive with them. But with that being said, one of the biggest impacts about for the manta ray currently has come from the tourism. And a lot of dive industries have created mm-hmm. these spots. Uh, of course, I, I'm highlighting today, um, the one that out of Kona, Hawaii, the big island where I, I was so lucky to go. But there's several spots. I mean, in Fiji, uh, in the mall, that Maldives. Mall yeah, Ooh. I saw that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's definitely lots of spots for, uh, for in our international mm-hmm. listeners or, other places to go. And I don't know if I went to the best one, but I know that the one I went to was really awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this way you could just get up close and personal and, and look at um, these gentle giants. Yeah. And I, I saw, I saw a number out there for people that are a little bit more economically motivated mm-hmm. than perhaps uh, I'm more motivated than my heartstrings, of course. Right, right, right. But they estimate that each year uh, tourists spend probably about 140 million. Wow dollars uh us to see manta rays in the wild wow wow yeah yeah right wow it wasn't Wait, let's, cheap let's, <laughs> well, let's, i know hey, when i went it was not yeah. cheap let's move to hawaii and, and get a little boat and we could do the podcast from the boat and uh, uh if only like, it was that easy i know because I know. one of the good things too is a lot of um a lot of the the groups where uh where the manta ray sightings and snorkelings are they they really are upping the regulations and and min, yeah. um putting clauses in and basically stopping overcrowding and yeah. they yeah. only let kind That's of like good. the um the manatees here in Florida they only let so many yeah. licenses so many people go in they're trying to control it cuz they know it's such a great resource and yeah. um but yeah this, so this tourism can definitely be part of the solution with with combating other other issues with fisheries because sometimes they get caught in nets and um, if we can get countries to see, to see the strong economic incentive to protect these animals that maybe they can get bumped up from the IUCN declares them as vulnerable, their populations mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, at least see their population stabilize, if not decrease. Right. Yo, I was, I just had another brilliant idea. Are you, oh are you my God. He's full of it tonight. See, this is awesome. <laughs> You're not even on when, vacation uh, yet. No, no. When we hit it big time, let's just do a podcast group in like Africa. And then you and I can lead like a little group in Africa. And we can go and talk about all the different animals and educate and all that fun stuff. And we can do like all creatures podcast meet in, I guess we'll meet at Ashley's house in South Africa. Yes. <laughs> hey, Ashley, we're coming down. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll, put, we go, we'll, you know. we'll put the kids in a tent in the backyard. It's all will be good. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. all good. With the honey badgers. <laughs> <laughs> but we go to the Kruger, you know, and uh, go see some Cape Buffalo. And, uh, but our, ki- yeah, yeah, our kids we'll are allowed. They would scare away any wildlife. And even in Africa, yeah. trust me. <laughs> Uh, I want to go with Allison. We need to get Allison Kennedy Benson to to be our tour guide. Oh yes, definitely. So, no, she, but I li- I like the idea of the live podcast feeds uh, when um, from a, from on site locations. So yeah. we'll get there. Yeah, we'll, we'll work get there, on it. Chris, we'll someday. Work- <laughs> <laughs> so get some uh, the species description. The like Angie said, sharks, rays, and skates. These are cartilage fish. They they belong to the subclass 
Elas Mobrachy, and they don't have swim bladders. Okay, they have a rigid dorsal fin, and then this was another. This is a word of the day. Another one: placoid scales. Okay. So you know, sharks. I know we talked about rattlesnakes. We talked about the skin being mm-hmm. tough with with their scales. I know with sharks, you know, uh, you know, you go down and it's not one side smooth the the direction that they're swimming, right? So if you go back, it's smooth, but if you go forward, it's really, right. really rough. So I actually have a cool um, mic- microscope microscopy image of the scales. So the scales are rough, placoid scales. So that's most of these uh, fish that belong to this subfamily. Now, just you know, here's really fast evolution. The first cartilage fish was about 395 billion wow. years ago during the mm-hmm. Devonian period. Yeah. So some of the first, you know, life forms, animal life forms were, were these cartilage fish. The first rays were about 170 million years ago during the Jurassic period, you know, so during T-Rex and all those fun dinosaurs running around. Manta rays specifically evolved about 20 million years ago. Today's species evolved about 5 million years ago, and they are finding fossils. You know, we, we talked about the cartilage can yeah, it's be just, saved. Yeah, it's harder. It's, it's, you know, it's harder. It's not like yeah. a bone. To find them. Yeah. yeah, it's harder to find. Yeah, especially ocean, yeah, especially ocean going. But 5 million years old, you know, these species have been around a long time. A long time. Now, to get specifically into rays, the manta ray, stingray, skate, sawfish belong to the rays. Oh, the sawfish. I guess the, I didn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So if you look at it, I was like, really sawfish? And then you see a picture of them and it kind of makes sense because they've kind of got that flat bottom. Okay. So yeah. they're, the, the, their gills are underneath. And this is the superorder Batodiae. Mm-hmm. So 600 species and 26 families, flat bodies, large pec fins, ventral gill slits. And it's more specifically getting into just some of these, uh, rays. The Milo batiforms is what they're called, manta and stingrays, mm-hmm. and there's 223 species. Now, this is kind of sad. 50 are threatened with extinction, so almost one out of four. Oh, wow. So 25%. Yeah, that's that's kind of that's sad. Now, Angie, I couldn't find anything in evolution. Like there was this giant manta ray that's already not giant. <laughs> so I went with <laughs> the largest ray ever caught was, you know, the, the Guinness Book of World Records has it off the U.S. at 30 feet and over 2,200 pounds wow. or 1,000 okay. kilograms. Now, I have this image. This one was accidentally caught in Peru. Again, this is one of their threats is bycatch. They think it might be up to 36 feet, but it's unconfirmed. Okay. So they, they couldn't get the Guinness Book of World Records people there fast enough, I guess. But the image, it's huge. It's actually really sad to see this thing dead, but... It's enormous. Like, my God, these things are, I never realized they were that big ever. Yeah. Ever. No, it wasn't. Like I said, too, even when I was preparing to go snorkel with them, I, I didn't, mm-hmm. I hadn't really done my homework as before I was a podcaster yeah. and, or even a researcher. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah. And so, yeah, I just kind of went along yeah. for the ride. And then, yeah, I got in the water and was like, holy shnikes, these guys are. Yeah. And, and, you know, and even then it's still, there's still a little distortion when you're like floating above and like looking down at something. Mm. It's not like I was able to Mm. be that close to them and actually, you know, within an arms, sometimes divers, because they are gentle giants, I mean, they'll glide right past a diver and a diver could potentially put their hand out and touch Mm -hmm. them. And, and, and there might, there's probably some pictures on the internet Mm -hmm. maybe of a diver next to it. So you could kind of get 
uh, an, an image, sure. maybe throw one yeah. of those up on our show notes so you can get an image of just basically how, how, yeah. how they dwarf you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they are, they are huge. They are huge. But interestingly enough too, with the, uh, with the evolution, the manta rays and the devil rays, the, the manta rays and the devil rays are the only, the ray species that have evolved into the filter feeders. Mm, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. That's right. Cause I mean, the other ones like the stingrays, they eat fish, right? They, they eat Correct. other fish. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're more carnivorous, I guess. And well, they're both carnivorous, I think. Um, yeah. But it's, yeah, that's right. Little tiny painting. animals. <laughs> yeah. The little tiny, <laughs> Chris, tiny it's ones. Okay. Buddy, I was covering, I had your back, man. I, ha- I was covering you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 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 <laughs> Now these can can live. They they the only thing they know is up to forty years, but they're they're really not sure. I mean, they know they can live that long. Yeah, but, I think I yeah. think the, the average numbers out there is twenty years. But once again, yeah. it goes to what was your what were your statistics early? Ninety one percent of the animals in the ocean we don't know anything about yeah. or something. So yeah. I, I, I yeah. think our yeah. data uh, there's definitely some in, inconclusive data there. Yeah. Now here's some good data though. So this was uh, some of the stuff coming out of the Dutch Shark Society. So again, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hey, put this link hey. up. That's my some of my roots. I'm I'm kind of a, a a mutt. I'm a mixture of everything. But yeah, without doing a DNA test, I was always told that I had a lot of Dutch in me. So. Yeah, okay. You look it. Let's hear about you this Dutch good. study. Yeah, yeah. You look Irish too. You, you got to have a little a little bit of Irish. Everybody's got a little bit of Irish, right? Yeah, yeah. I I, I can't uh, I can't drink the Irish whiskey, but I can I can do some Guinness. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. So they can travel up to seventy kilometers in a single day. So 30 something miles and the Dutch shark society say that fast measured mm-hmm. array diving as deep as 560 feet or 170 meters. Wow. Now this was, yeah. So this was their study. Now there are some reports and I'll get to that nutrition here in a second that they can go as deep as a thousand meters, which is 3,300 feet. That's crazy. That's deep. Yeah. That's, that's very really deep. deep. Yeah. And when they do dive, they don't swim, but they more glide. Right. You know, to conserve energy. Mm-hmm. You probably saw some of that behavior, which is amazing. Oh, yes. Now, which was during the day, they stay in the top 10 meters of the water, t- 10 to 30 feet. Mm-hmm. But during night, now, obviously, your experience is because they were a little bit habituated. They were attracting the zooplankton, everything like that. But typically, like especially when they're out in the ocean, that's when they're going to be diving deep. Right you know, is mostly at night. Mm-hmm. So, and that's for, off the study. So again, there's some science that's going on. Yeah. And so what was interesting is reading some of the facts about it, Angie, is they just, they have this incredible countercurrent exchange. And I know you, you're going to talk about their brains mm-hmm. and how incredible they are or not incredible. They could be just <laughs> dumb. Maybe that's, it's, it's, we're, we're on the edge of our seats to learn about that, but they have this really great countercurrent exchange to keep the brain warm and active on these deep dives and just a brief, I know we talked about this before a counter current exchanges. You can imagine the pectoral fins, the blood out to the pectoral fins cools off. And then as it comes back to the body, the warm blood going out runs right by it. So there's a transfer of energy. So it warms up that blood that's coming back in to the body. So it, it, it's thermoregulates, keeps us warm and, and going. So their brains need to stay warm when they go that deep, right? To, to, to function. So they have a really good blood supply to the brain that maintains that. Yeah. Blood I mean, basically when they dive deep from they effectively almost become warm blooded. 
And they can, and they have the ability okay. to keep their temperature stable, a lot more stable than most fish. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Evolution, biology, it's just the uh, ocean. It's all yeah, radical, the, man. The, the oceans, <laughs> the ocean is amazing. It really is. Now they are, these ones are hunted by sharks, the big ones, the tigers, the great hammerhead, bull sharks, killer whales, false killer whales. And this was interesting. I read some of the larger rays have injuries like from shark bites and stuff. So a shark will come and take a bite, you know, healed over. And then one that they always see is this one we have to do at some point. It's the cookie cutter shark. And I'm I think it was familiar. on, oh. I think it was on octonauts. I think like <laughs> everything good is on octonauts. You yes. know, I'll have to ask Xander about it. I don't know about this cookie yeah, cutter co- shark. They attach and they cut out a, a, a cookie of flesh around Mark and then they detach and they eat that. <laughs> Yeah, isn't it crazy. Wow. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. So ask him, ask about octonauts. The giant manta rays, actually, from from the work, the the research that's been done, they actually have less wounds, about ten percent, where the okay. reef manta rays actually have more. They have mm. like seventy percent of reef manta rays in some areas hmm. have done that. Now, like you said, these are filter feeders, so they eat zooplankton, maybe some small fish that get sucked in there. We talked about the cephalic fins, creates this O shape that helps the funnel. Pushes the water into the mouth, goes over the gill rakers, which catches the, the zooplankton. You talked about how they roll, they're feeding, you know, which is really cool. Now, this one was, here's another study out of Australia. They found manta ray diets are made up of mostly of deep sea organisms. Hmm. So, yeah, so they found, I think it was about 70% of their, their stomach contents were from sea life that lives between the mesopelagic zone which is anywhere from 200 to 1,000 meters or 600 to 3,300 wow. feet. So the Dutch study showed these ones staying kind of mm-hmm. up above that, whereas in Australia they found these ones actually most of the time they spent deeper wow. feeding. Yeah, so well, that was kind of they're cool. able to adapt. and Maybe it depends on what time of year or the, yeah. the water temperature. Who knows? Yeah. But, yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, their feeding behavior, Angie, I thought you would have loved this. And and I, for any of the listeners out there that saw Moana, the movie Moana, which is a great Disney movie, and a lot of it was about, based on Maori, which is the native people oh, here I didn't in New know Zealand. That. So it's kind of yeah, really cool we for just, us now. I've yeah, been wanting, yeah, it's really cool for I've us. I've been wanting Xander to watch it for a while, and he's been just not that interested in it. So I finally... Yeah. Yeah, we finally sat down and watched it and he just, he loved it. And I love the soundtrack, um, from it. So yeah. I'll play that a lot. Yeah. All the songs yeah. are just really, really fun. And yeah, it's just, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful yeah. uh, kid, kid movie, but adults like it too. So that's kind of why it's fun. Yeah. No, I mean, just the history of them, like the, that one, my favorite is that one song where it shows them, you know, on their rafts, like in, in how they spread mm-hmm. out across the ocean. It was just, yeah, and I mean the the native popu- native people to New Zealand didn't get here till 1300s. Right. So they haven't wow. been here for thousands of years. They've only sure. been here for a few hundred. You know. So anyways, there's a point in there where the grandma, it's more towards the beginning where she's out with rays and the rays are circling around mm-hmm. her. It's really beautiful. So National Geographic has this behavior on video. So I'm going to I'm definitely going to post it. And Andrea Marshall of the Marine Megafauna Foundation, she's the one that, that kind of has been studying this. 
it is actually them feeding. It's a feeding behavior and social behavior. Mm-hmm. So they socialize while they're feeding. <laughs> so it's like us at dinner, right? That's the big thing I about being it. human is it's a time for us to socialize. Yeah. So they stack up in, in, around each other and circle. And I guess the fir- the one in front gets most of it, most of the zooplankton. So they'll actually change positions and allow the other ones to all get their fill. Like just incredible. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's really it was gorgeous cool. the way that they swim in these vertical loops. And yeah, the researchers think yeah. besides the, the social part of it, um, but that it helps keep, it helps keep the ray, like it helps funnel and or keep the plankton in this, in a similar area or to, um, right. to congregate them to basically concentrate. That's the word to concentrate the, um, their, right. you know, the food and make it easier. So it's like acts like a funnel and it helps increase their feed and, but they need, they need them all to do it. Right. Cause if just one did it, mm-hmm. it, it wouldn't mm-hmm. be, it, yeah, wouldn't, no. it probably wouldn't be as, um, as efficient. So it all, it all leads yeah, into the, yeah. some of their other genius behaviors, if you will. Yeah. So what is that? What is that? It's perfect. It's a perfect segue. <laughs> so well, it's just, their behavior is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and once again, too, I think we're still at the, um, we're just at the beginning of learning about them, but I love that the, the movie brought, brought this up and was you know accurate of the banner ray behavior. But in general, from st- What's been studied so far is that the manta ray brain power, their intelligence blows other fish out of the water. Pardon the pun. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're giant. They're charismatic. I mean, and in the fish world, they are geniuses. They're the ones going to Harvard, if you will, or, uh, or Cambridge or Yale. So they, the manta and the, and the, and the mobula, if I'm saying that right, mobula, rays have the largest brains out of all 32,000 species of approximately a fish to, known to date. But manta rays or um, mobula, mobula rays have the largest brains of all 32,000 species approximately of fish that are known to date. Now, as Chris pointed out, there's many that we don't know. Um, but yeah, their behavior is intelligent, cooperative, and coordinated, as Chris had mentioned with their feeding behavior. And they have huge brains, the biggest brain of any fish. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. Uh, and they're really well developed for their brains uh, are developed for areas of learning and problem solving and communicating. So as much as we love sharks and we haven't covered a shark species yet because it's going to be a big, amazing thing that we're probably going to do this fall. We're going to get some researchers involved. So that's, we haven't done sharks. However, a manta ray's brain can be 10 times larger than a whale shark's. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So a ray, a ray. Yeah. yeah. A manta ray. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's not only the, not only a big brain physically, um, but relative to their body size as Mm -hmm. well, which is Mm -hmm. similar. That's also a sign of intelligence, like with elephants and dolphins and people too, that Mm -hmm. for our, for, it's not just the size that matters when we mm-hmm. talk about brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we talk about other other um, parts of the body, sometimes <laughs> it's really just about the size. But if you're a blue whale, that's the only with one the I brain, can go back to. If you're there, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but but with the brain, it's 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 size to to body proportion, which uh, these manta rays have got it going on. Mm. And so, wait, this is 
This is what I found crazy amazing. And it was fun to uh, read the study more in depth, but the giant rays, not they're playful and they're curious and researchers think that they might be able to even recognize themselves in a mirror, <laughs> which in animal behavior studies is a sign of self-awareness, mm-hmm. which in animal learning and cognition um, research is one of the highest levels in the animal kingdom of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So elephants can do it. Primates can do right. it. Um, I think we, I think we thought uh, one of the species we've covered recently, maybe it was the hyena. They think maybe can do it. Yeah. I, yeah. Hyenas don't are really quote me on that. Though. I'd have to go back and yeah. look at my show notes, but it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's pretty uncommon in the, in the animal kingdom. And, and so obviously I'm sure a dolphin can, but yeah, yeah. They, a, a 2016 study, um, found that uh, captive manas would swim repetitively back and forth in front of a mirror, a mirror for an unusually long time. Mm-hmm. And they would examine other body parts that they otherwise wouldn't see. So yeah. they would roll and unroll uh, their different fins um, right. 10 times more often when the mirror was present versus when it wasn't. And That's crazy. They would blow bu- yeah, they would blow bubbles while yeah. looking at the mirror, which just – I get all cheesy because it reminds me of my like my 23-month-old Zachy. He's like yeah. super into yeah. bubbles and he's like, big bubba. Big Bubba, because yeah. he can't say bubbles, and he can't blow yeah, bubbles, yeah. and so uh, he tries really hard. But anyways, so yeah, so <laughs> they would blow bubbles, which is just super ch- charming yeah. and cute. And so researchers aren't a hundred percent sure, and they say that you know more tests are needed um, to get a definitive answer. But a mm-hmm, lot of these mm-hmm. behaviors with the mirror uh, would imply self recognition, which would imply higher cognition. And a lot higher cognition than most, definitely most fish, but even a lot of land mammals as well. I'll say you have made me such a behavior nerd because (laughs) as much as I love physiology and biology, behavior is so awesome to study and learn about. I know. So that is crazy. Like how fun would that be to watch that behavior? I know. Like of a fish. Yeah. Of a fish. Of a fish. And I always... I always, because of course I love positive, um, operant conditioning and positive reinforcement training. And mm-hmm. it blew my mind years ago to find out that you can do that with fish. You can like use a laser pointer mm-hmm. and train them to move to different parts mm-hmm. and of the tank. And, mm-hmm. but now this is like a whole nother crazy, crazy level. And I just think it goes yeah. to show that we are just at the beginning of understanding uh, yeah. Many species in general, land mammals, animals in the ocean, fish in the ocean, right. mammals in the ocean. And uh, I know that us humans are so smart and we've got it all figured out and we can, yeah, yeah. you know. We have gone to the moon, so I'll give us that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We definitely <laughs> know some amazing things. But it, but it also, Chris, I don't know, yeah. and uh, obviously you can cut this part out, but it always – that's kind of what infuriates me or frustrates me is like we are so smart so yeah. we should be able to figure out how to save these guys so to give them a fair chance or give us a fair chance to learn yeah. how smart they are and what their needs are. Yeah. Um, because yeah, they've yeah. been around for yeah. 5 million years more or less. And yeah. yeah and we're just, yeah, we should, these, we should be able we're to, we're at the cusp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, us and our listeners and like the, the team of people that we interview all the time, 
there are people out there working hard. I, I remind myself that all the time. You know, I get some of these sad stories that come across. You know, we cover some of the stuff in the news segments on Fridays. That's not the best, but I'm always reminding myself, as depressing as it is reading some of this stuff, I realize there's so many great people out there doing so oh, much. Oh, yeah. Good. And wait till we get to so, the conservation yeah. groups I, I selected today. Yeah. There's definitely yeah. other, there's a lot yeah. of Manta Ray fans out there in general and scientists and researchers that. Yeah really want to learn more about these guys, save the oceans that they swim in mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. take good care mm-hmm. of them. So it is. And that's why I love this podcast because I'm besides learning every day about animals yeah. and the environment. I, it is, there's a lot of positive things going on and I think it's uh, hopeful that we just got to mm-hmm. keep that, keep that train going, right? Keep the positive train going. Yeah. Yep, uh, yep. But otherwise with yep. their behavior, once again, uh, there's not a ton known about their, their behavior because they are, they are only um, kept under human care in a few facilities. So, uh, studying in the ocean at nighttime can be difficult. However, many mm-hmm. groups, like I will touch on at the end of this section, uh, are are doing a good job. But we do know that they, they like you said, they can migrate. Um, but some um, the the reef manta tends to be a little bit more residential, um, and. And, mm-hmm. uh, they are really the, uh, the Atlantic manta ray is really active during the mating season and has been recorded leaping out of the water, uh, seven feet in the air and smacking against the surface. Wow. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's crazy. And researchers, yeah. once again, are just hypothesizing why they do this, but they think that it might be mm-hmm. to remove some of the parasites or maybe those cookie cutter sharks. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, I know. Get and then, uh, but yeah, get, get, getting rid of some of the parasites and also maybe, um, some of the dead, like dead skin on their bodies. Uh, but interestingly enough, the giant manta ray has been observed at quote unquote cleaning stations where it, um, hmm. where fish will just stay there and a certain type of fish swims around them, picking off parasites and dead skin. So it's like a manta ray hmm. manicure or no, no pedicure. That's yeah. Fair. yeah. Like they just pedicure. like, <laughs> they, you know, they're just like doing their, like they're just yeah. swimming around them. And once again, showing another sign of intelligence of like, Hey, I'll just go to this area and, and make this little guy do the work and I get to benefit off of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they also yeah, have a, yeah. a symbiotic relationship, which I'm most of our listeners, I'm sure are familiar with a remora fish. Uh, which of course will attach to rays, skates, sharks, um, and hitches ride with them. Mm-hmm. And that will also clean off their parasites. But mm-hmm. yes, this, mm-hmm. uh, but like, but like whales, this breaching behavior is pretty spectacular. Um, and I don't yeah, know if it's seen yeah. in the giants, but it's definitely seen in the reefs. It's still 20 foot or almost 20 foot flying fish. <laughs> yeah. You. Seven feet in the air. Wow, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. 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 Uh, switching gears to reproduction, just briefly, uh, the mating season mm-hmm. um, for a sexually mature manta ray is going to occur in most parts of the world from December to late April. And during this time, they'll mm-hmm. gather in large numbers and several males will court a female. And I don't know if they know all the details of how a female picks a male or what pheromones or even probably much about how all this goes down. But they have observed that a male will swim closely behind the tail of another female um, at about 9 to 12 kilometers per hour. Mm -hmm. And he'll do this for 20 to 30 minutes, which finally the female, she just kind of slows down and she's like, all right. (laughs) 
<laughs> she okay. Yeah, just let's just okay. Yeah. I'm sick of swimming around. Um, so uh, it doesn't seem it's not super romantic. It's not one of the most flamboyant uh, uh, behavioral courtship displays yeah. that we've seen on here. But once again, this this is what what researchers know about it. There there might be other things that are missing from this. Um, but anyways, um, the male will yeah. breed the female. He arranges his bodies under. He arranges his body under the females and he'll, um, the, the, the rays and the manta rays have a cloaca and he'll, um, he'll breed her and he'll deposit his semen, which doesn't take very long. And then he swims away. And then interestingly enough, see up. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he's out, he's out of there and he's out. But interestingly yeah, yeah, yeah. enough, another female will move quickly in and repeat the same process. Oh, another male? Another male another, will uh, come another, in. Another, and, okay, I thought you said female. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. No, no. Another male will, will come in. Like he's okay. number two in line. He'll come in, okay. uh, breed the female. And then after the second male breeds, then she's out. She's like, okay, I'm done. Okay. So it's usually just yeah, the okay. second male. Okay. And then, um, so I don't think researchers know a lot about why or no. what the benefit of having yeah. this is or if there's sperm competition. Well, genetic. The, yeah, gene- yeah so you make a good point too, which maybe at some point we'll talk about that too is in sperm competition because that's really cool biology in some species. But sure. just genetic diversity. I mean, I think about that too, you know, just making sure they, well, they stay diverse. Well, in some right? species, uh, like I know in cats, they can have a litter where some mm-hmm. – they can have different fathers. Each each kit or kitten or whatever mm-hmm. it's called mm-hmm. can come from mm-hmm. a different um, a different male. But interestingly enough, um, mm. with the manta rays, at least, they their gestation period is for about 13 months for the giant manta rays, but they give birth to typically just one pup. They're called pups. Uh, sometimes oh, two. Oh, okay. Uh, and they give, yeah. Okay. So I don't, so if there is sperm competition, it seems like one was, you know, typically there's only one pup, maybe, yeah, two, maybe two born. So I guess if there's two born, then maybe there's, yeah. there's a chance for, but yeah, it's super interesting. And as a, as a reproductive physiologist, it, it just always, uh, yeah, it gets me all tithered. I, I want to know more, but I, unfortunately, yeah, <laughs> unfortunately yeah. I'll have to talk to an expert yeah. because there isn't a lot of, there isn't a lot of information out there that I could find. Um, uh, but they do. No, no. And it, I was just going to say, it goes back to what we covered a few weeks ago in the news segment was the nursery that they found. Mm-hmm. Like they had no clue. Right where the young were they could never find them and then all of a sudden so this researcher josh stewart out Mm -hmm. of scripts out of uc san diego he they found this this nursery of young manta rays and it was cool because earlier when you said the spots i remember after reading this study that's how they identified them is right by the spots mm -hmm. right they Mm -hmm. stay it's like they can probably do like photographic images to tell them apart we do that a lot with like zebra stripes and um and in, in pretty mm-hmm. much any animal mm-hmm. with a pattern, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah. And so the thing, the thing that's really cool about um, about rays is they they do give live birth uh, to to pup their pups. <laughs> uh, and one of the things that is cumbersome to their uh, generation inver- intervals and or for their overall conservation, how they rebound uh, in the wild, their numbers rebound, is that. A female will produce uh, a, a baby uh, every one to three years. Uh, and so with a three-year 
interval. And then I believe they don't sexually mature until they're like five mm-hmm. years old or yeah, five years old or so. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's a long generation interval. And so it's unlike, unlike other fish yeah. species or shark species, uh, they have a, have a quicker generation interval. Their numbers can rebound at a faster rate. That's, you know, that's mm-hmm. not going to happen uh, with the giant uh, manta rays. Yeah. 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 But I would also just lastly with the offspring, uh, I, they do grow at a rapid rate and they can, um, they'll going to double their body width uh, through the first year of life. Uh, but the, the cute thing I thought visual for me is that the pups, are, when they're born, they're kind of wrapped up by their pectoral fence. Uh, mm-hmm, but they, mm-hmm. but once they're born, they pretty much unwrap free swimming and they'll basically fend for themselves. That's cool though. That's okay. And I also, yeah, I also found it interesting and I don't know if this is true. Did you ever come, did you come across this though that basically manta rays, they never stop swimming? Oh no, I didn't come across that. Yeah. Did, well, there are, okay. yeah, there are fish yeah, that I read have somewhere, to, to breathe. So yeah, they, what I read is they never stop moving. They must keep the water flowing over their gills to yeah, respire yeah. or breathe. Oh. Well, yeah, they, you know, it's interesting you talk about the generation interval because that, I'm just thinking of their conservation status being vulnerable. And, you know, we did talk about the bycatch being a problem, getting caught in gill nets. The, the populations are fragmented. They don't move across ocean basins, right? They stay, like I no. said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and those. Mm-hmm. And both species, um, the, the giants and the reefs are vulnerable. Yeah. Listed the, as vulnerable by the, the IUCN. I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by this, Angie, but it just China, uh, we need to educate uh, China, Chinese herbal medicine in, in Southeast Asia. So their big thing right now is they're just being overfished and the demand for their gill rakers have popped up as popular Chinese herbal medicine. And so that is where the population in the Indo-Pacific has been reduced. I think IUCN said up to 95%. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So they've gotten just hammered hard. The, the, it's fetching about $500 US per kilogram. And so what, what it is, is they are, they're claiming it boosts the immune system, cure cancer, chicken pox, infertility, all the same crap. Excuse me. But it's all just the same stuff. cartilage. It's, I mean, it is, it is. Everything has cartilage. Like go get it. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't even make it makes any no sense. sense. But uh, none of and, it does. There's no, there's no, yeah. and, and and honestly, probably for some of these people making money off of it, they don't want there to be scientific studies. No, they no. Know it would well, there, that yeah, it does nothing. Mm-hmm. There's no support from science and there's actually no support in Chinese herbal medicine texts. Like even what, you know, ah. the ancient Chinese herbal medicine, oh, what, this is what? just like some fad. Uh, it's like, oh, take this. This will uh, this will cure cancer. It's like hipster like, Chinese medicine, which is the worst kind. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So they they've just been decimated. I mean, you know, their population has been just, you know, like I said, thirty percent reduction with that long interval. They're just, it's it's really sad. It's really sad for them. But the good news is there are a couple groups that are working really hard. Actually, there's way more than a couple. Um, I think yeah, some of yeah. the, some of the, um, more, uh, well-established one. For instance, mm-hmm. my first conservation organization of the week is called Manta Trust and they can be found at okay. www.mantatrust.org. Mm-hmm. 
They have a great uh, presence on Facebook, tons of news and updates. They'll let you know what's going on and you can see some of the beautiful photos and videos that Chris and I have been talking about. But the Manta Trust is, I want to go work for them now. <laughs> just like yeah, per I know, usual. I know. I'm gonna do that study with the I know, with the yeah, mirrors. Yeah, no. So amazing. these guys are great. They um they have a uh they take a multi multidisciplinary approach um to worldwide conservation. So they're not just in one area or the other to understand uh, to understand more is about manta rays and their conservation and their habitat using science research, and then of course, also raising an awareness and providing education to the public and stakeholders. Uh, they do this through many research projects. I don't have time to go into all of them, but one of their, one of their founding research projects or flagship research project is called the uh, Maldivian Manta Ray Project. And it's been going on for more than a decade across um, this island nation. And it's one of the largest longstanding manta ray conservation groups in the world. So they I really want to go there. I really want to go to the Maldives. I do. I do. Manta rays and whale sharks. I mean, you're closer than I am, right? Like I know. Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah. 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 If it's a numbers game, you should go now. I, why, why you're actually in in kind of somewhat right half of the world. Close. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but this group, they also bring a lot, they bring a lot of other groups together and help them get established from around the world to help drive conservation research. Um, they have a, a project in Fiji, another place you should go since mm. you're so close. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fiji's close, yeah, relatively Fiji's speaking. Close. Uh, yeah, yeah, that would be a nice, like, that's what you guys should do for like your anniversary or something. Huh. It's yeah, in a few days. Okay. I'm, I'm going, to, I'm actually going to Mount Doom in a few days for our anniversary. That is go- so not Fiji. <laughs> That is so, I mean. It's where, it's where they filmed Mount Doom and Lord of the Rings. So it's Tapo. It's supposed to be gorgeous uh, though. We, we've I mean, got a, pretty cool. we've got a house on the lake. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be good. But you're, be good. But yeah, man, you got Doom. the parents of town. You should just say, <laughs> yeah. forget that. I'm taking Ashley to Fiji. <laughs> Fiji. She can thank, she can thank me later. Yeah. You guys are going to, you're going to help out with the Fiji Manta Ray project from the Manta yeah. Trust group and life yeah, will be good. good. But, good. uh, yeah, no. So this group and then, oh man, they have, um, they work. They work with groups out of Peru because um, mm-hmm. Peru is one of the one of the areas where uh, a lot of bycatch is happening, mm-hmm. and so they're trying to work with um, communities, local communities, on fishing and, of course, on helping them uh, with their ecotourism and giving in Peru, uh, aiding the government to build uh, uh, capacity and regulations towards protecting these manta rays and. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so they, and then they even do right up our area, like you were talking about. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they did a research study about in 2006 about does tourist behavior affect reef manta feeding ray behavior? Okay. So yeah. man, I was whatever, it was some yeah. grad student. I'm like, that was some lucky kid, man. They got to study yeah, that. Fun right? project. Oh man, right? Yeah, fun project. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so. They, uh, the Manta Trust does a lot. And then what I really enjoyed too, because I did participate in Manta Ray ecotourism out of, um, Kona, mm-hmm. Hawaii. The Manta Trust provides, um, they, they acknowledge that manta rays can be very sensitive to ecotourism and disturbances. Mm-hmm. So they've developed, uh, proper measures and they have a guide called best practice code and conduct for manta ray tourism. And they have a okay. video, how to swim with manta rays initiative 
that they, in a 10 step guide in a short educational film to help educate tour operator, well, tourists, tour yeah. operators, um, governments, things like that to just to, to put it out there, the best, to get the best bang for the buck, to not, to not harm or interfere with the manta rays and their behavior, but also to be able to pro- provide obviously a very amazing experience to, uh, to tourists like myself. Tourists. So they, yeah, and mm-hmm. there you go, Angie. There's another, there's another group of people that are making a difference for. Oh, yeah. Species, Absolutely. Right? And, and yeah. they even went yeah. as far to compile, they have a, a list of, uh, tour, tourism operations that they believe are, um, committed to sustainable manta ray tourism. So all mm-hmm. that's on their mm-hmm. website. Check it out. Chris will provide links, um, and some videos, but the manor, the manta trust, um, www.manatrust.org. Uh, maybe they're hiring. If you are, if you're listening, <laughs> give me a call. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll help you out. We'll help you out. Send Chris and I to Fiji. No, no, I take that back. Send, send Chris and Ashley to Fiji or have, uh, are there, yeah, yeah, have all of our families yeah. meet, uh, are <laughs> yeah. in Hawaii. Yeah. As well. mm-hmm. In Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll and then my, the second organization, conservation organization that I select this week, is a little closer to your neck of the woods. It's a little more specialized. Mm-hmm. It's called Project Manta, yeah. and they are on Facebook. They're a nonprofit organization out of mm-hmm. Brisbane in Queensland, Australia. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. they're across the Tasman Sea. Yes, they're uh, they're they're on your side of the world. They're near you, and um, Chris will provide the link to their homepage. But mm-hmm. uh, Project Manta has a big Facebook presence. So check them out on Facebook for easy access. And the Project Manda, it, uh, it studies manta rays and it aims to provide the much needed, as Chris and I have talked about, uh, biological mm-hmm. and ecological information on on the species that inhabit the Australian waters. And they, they really investigate the connectivity and movement between populations of manta rays within Australia and neighboring regions, like probably like New Zealand. And they're really, they generate accurate estimations of popula- population size. And basically their goal is to try to understand biological environmental drivers of population dynamics. Then they take this mm-hmm. information because they're also, uh, t- um, they're with the university there out of, Br- of Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. But they take this information and they provide management recommendations for the government and the, you know, the stakeholders in the area. But obviously right. they're out of a university, so they work with scientists, industry partners, and of course the public to uh, learn about long-term su- sustainability for these big, beautiful guys. And then of course they do support yeah. economic and social benefits of well-done uh, ecotourism. Yeah. Yeah. I love our, our, we have a big following in Australia too. So love our Aussies. Love them. Love Yay, them. Love them. Yeah. Our Australian fans. Yeah. Love you guys. Yeah. I love Australia. Yeah. Like the Ashley got back. I was like, oh, you, She's on the Gold Coast. Lucky her. Yeah. So, um, lucky her. Yeah. She, she didn't need to go to Fiji. She just got, I know. I need to go to Fiji. I'll just, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to Fiji for my anniversary by myself now. (sighs) So, you know, conservation tip this week, we we just keep hitting the plastics. That is great. It's picking up steam. I'm seeing it everywhere. Even my grocery stores now here in New Zealand. They are Dude, charging new, for bags. Starbucks. Yeah. I didn't read the article because I haven't had time. Yeah. I've been so busy on vacation. Yeah. 
But Starbucks just announced this, uh, getting rid of the straws. Yeah. So it's picking that's up. That's huge here in the States because yeah. there's like a Starbucks in every corner. So yeah, that's everywhere. huge. And I don't know, like I said, I didn't read, I didn't read the article. I don't know when they're implementing it, but it's, it's, it's all forward motion, which yeah. is exciting. Yeah, it's good. It's good news that we're picking up steam with the plastics. So our conservation tip this week, though, was a little bit different. And I looked at, because this came up in the news, that Hawaii is passing a bill to ban certain sunscreens that are contributing to coral bleaching. Yes. So I know mm -hmm. corals are on our radar. Um, not to give it, give it away, but I know yes, it's on Chris Angie's and I have been radar. talking about corals. Yes. As we've been talking about corals for a couple of weeks now and I am yeah. trying to work that train. That's all I'm going to say. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> trying yeah. to get something it's, done with that. I don't, if yeah. we did corals though, I would have, I would need like weeks to prepare because that is way out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. But they are incredible organisms. Right. Oh, we, that, I would learn you know? so much. Like you and I would just be like yeah. happy dorks learning. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they are collapsing. I mean, corals around the world are dying. Fast, oh, well, yeah. Fast. I mean, yeah. just in your neck yeah. of the woods or oceans. Yeah. The Great Barrier Reef. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so sunscreens are actually contributing to coral bleaching. Now it's a little bit, the data is still being argued that, oh, you know, if you put on sunscreen, and go into the water, you're not going to have an effect on the corals there in Lake Michigan. Right. Right. Cause you don't have any coral reefs in Lake Michigan. Not anymore. But we used to. Yeah. Not anymore. And that's what yeah. I've been hunting for all week are what I call, what are called Petoskey stones. So they're fossilized okay. corals from whatever yeah. thousands, maybe millions of years ago. I don't know. Millions of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah, me. Long time ago. I don't do evolution, but I do yeah. like looking for fossils of corals in Lake Michigan from when they yeah. used to be here. But yes. But no, no, there's, there yeah. currently there are none. Yeah. So, you know, it's okay. Or if you're just going outside, you're okay. But where large groups of tourists gather, you know, like in Hawaii, where you just were, when you go in the water with these sunscreens that have these chemicals in it, that they believe it's contributing to coral bleaching. So I actually have a list. I'm going to post the link, you know, of certain brands you can buy. So if you awesome. do go to the Bahamas or you are going diving near corals, I highly, highly, please, please, please use these because they're the, the two substances is oxybenzone and oxtanoxate. Those are, which those are the main all, ones and a lot of sunscreens. Yeah. They're almost, yeah, they're almost all of them. And that's what they believe could be contributing to coral bleaching. Like I, on Oahu, because I've been to Maui and Oahu, I know in Oahu there was a beautiful coral reef that it was just a hot tourist hotspot and it was great to go right. snorkel and just had tons oh, of- Oh, I mean, well, that's why yeah. I loved Kona, um, off the coast of the big, uh, the west coast of the yeah. big island is we literally could just walk from the beach or yeah. bring your flippers and yeah. your snorkel and just from the beach go whatever. Right there. 20 yards out yeah. and boom. I was swimming with sea turtles and I didn't pay anything. Yeah. And I probably had some bad sunscreen on. Yeah, but we didn't we, know. We didn't know. We didn't know. But now we know, but now we know. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. And, and you're in, and, and it sounds like there's companies that are stepping up the plate and providing hopefully some affordable alternatives. Yes. Which it's all yes. just about, it's all just about educating yourself and, um, and being a little bit more prepared and taking teeny tiny steps that potentially over the long term could really benefit, uh, our oceans. 
and the animals. Yeah, there's a bunch. Like this one's Think Sport. It's SPF 50. All good SPF 30. Babo Botanicals. I mean, there's a, there's a list of them I have cool. and I'll post the link on the, on the show notes. So awesome, uh, Chris. That's a can, great one. Can, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, making the world a better place. One thing at a time for us. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. We are there and Angie and I are, are pretty active. I'm, I love Instagram, Angie. I'm still going to get you on there the videos i think i i sent you the the baby hippo one i don't know if you, you had time to watch it the baby hippo with the baby rhino i did i actually, found, so I actually found the real video oh my god i'm following the rhino orphanage on instagram it's oh my god that's babies. where you find me when i run away from the world <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right well thank you for listening we will be back uh we'll be actually be back friday with news and then we will be back next week with a really good species and a really good interview so next week's going to be amazing too and then angie will finally get back to florida in the the heat and, and then freeze. I'll be ready to stay in the air conditioning and just pump out these podcasts every day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, enjoy your blueberries, Angie. Oh, thank you, Chris. Enjoy your family and your anniversary, yeah. not in Fiji, but that's okay. Lord of the Rings yeah. is pretty cool as well. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah well, I'll talk to you in a couple of days. Yes, you yeah. will. Listen, learn, share. Join the movement at allcreaturespod.com. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts.